Father, thank you for today. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, God, for waking us up this morning. Thank you, Lord, for purpose. Thank you, God, Lord, for giving us ears. Lord, now allow us to hear what you're trying to say. And God, I just want to thank you for nothing simply more than just because of who you are. Thank you, God. Thank you for loving me, someone who is totally unworthy, but God, you've made me worthy. Thank you. God, I love you, and I thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. If you will open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 5, Hebrews chapter 5, we're going to be in four verses, 7 through 10. Hebrews 5, verses 7 through 10. If you have a study book, we're going to be loosely <laughs> in the study book on page 30, page 30 of the study book. This morning, we're going to talk about something that is, uh, well, hard, if we're all just honest. It's called obedience. And obedience is pretty hard because under obedience, there's a lot of other words under obedience that, that come in with that. Submit. Submit's under obedience. That, that's a curse word to some. You know, there's, there's a lot that falls under that word. And this morning we're going to talk about the ultimate example of someone being obedient. Someone being obedient. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. The first line is so key. So if you have, if you know, I know some that, that do, some that don't, but if however you do it, whether you take notes, underline in your Bible, whatever you want to do, this first line is key. In the days of his flesh. Okay? In the days of his flesh. Jesus. Man, that right there, that alone, right there. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplication with loud cries and tears. And here's another key I want you to underline or emphasize. Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. To him, so in his flesh, he offered up prayers, moanings, groanings, tears to him who was able to deliver him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Verse 8, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. We see it again. After the order of Melchizedek. We talked about the order of Melchizedek briefly. Did anybody go research the order of Melchizedek this week? Don't have to raise your hand. It's cool. But I'm going to encourage you. Go. 
research and understand what the order of Melchizedek is. Because if you don't understand that, you can't understand Jesus. You can't. Verse 8, 9, and 10 is, is very, very cool. Because I broke it up in my Bible by different highlighters, different underlying colors, for it to speak to me a little bit. Because if you look at punctuation and how it's all done, it's really interesting. So one part of it is this. Although he was a son, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. So even though he was a son, he became the source of salvation to all who, who obey him. But how did he do that? He did that because he learned obedience. How did he learn obedience? Through suffering. And he was made perfect. Well, how was he made perfect? Through suffering. <laughs> These four verses right here, holy cow. It really gives you Jesus as the man in the flesh. If I can say this, Elder Jeff, correct me if I say this wrong, please. But this, to me, shows me the humanity, the flesh, the human of Jesus. This really helps me understand that, oh, he really was 100% man and 100% God at the same time. These four verses. And in verse 8... Of chapter 5, it says, he learned obedience. So, <laughs> you know me, I went digging. What's learned? How did Jesus learn obedience? What, what, what's learned in the Greek? What's learned in the Hebrews? Let me tell you, it was a deep education. You know what learn means in Greek and Hebrew? Learn. <laughs> it was deep. I literally was kind of disappointed because when I looked it up, I was like, Oh, it actually means learn. He learned obedience. What is obedience? Obedience, one definition says, willing to comply with the commands, orders, or instruction of those or one in authority. Another one is subject in will or act to authority. Subject yourself, right? To subject yourself in will or act to authority. Willing to obey. Here's one that got me real good, part of this definition. It says, submissive to restraint. Submissive to restraint. Man, that fits Jesus. Because he was 100% God in the midst of being 100% man, he still had a legion of angels at his, at, 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 at his disposal. He did. A legion of angels. Think about Jesus hanging on the cross for just a second. Go with me here, okay? The Bible doesn't say this, all of this. But think about this just for a minute. Jesus was hanging on the cross. In his flesh, suffering the most immense pain and anguish any human could possibly suffer. The Romans perfected torture. This was torturing the human body to the point of you just want to die. Jesus felt every bit of that pain and suffering. 
hanging on the cross. And remember, if you remember when it talks about the cross, he looked up to the father and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But in the midst of looking up to his father God to see that he had turned his back on him, can you imagine he had to look past that legion of angels waiting? He didn't have to say a word. He could have just twitched his nose and the earth would have ended at that point. But in his suffering, in his suffering, unimaginable suffering, he practiced obedience and he was submissive to restraint. He was submissive to restraint because he knew that we would need a savior. So he obeyed and submitted and restrained the flesh to not call down a legion of angels to rescue him. That's deep. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. <laughs> I don't know that I could have done that. I don't know. But Jesus did. And if we're supposed to follow the ultimate example, then guess what? We should too. You see the term, he learned obedience. This term carries the connotation of learning by repetition or practice. Jesus did not learn obedience in the sense that he did not initially understand the concept or agree with it. He understood the concept. He understood it. He learned obedience in the sense that an oft-repeated action will produce excellence and expertise. Jesus practiced obedience to the will of the Father until he became an artist, until he became the guy of obedience. He practiced it. But that didn't mean Jesus didn't need encouragement, didn't need help. Let's look back at the story of Jesus. Not too long before he made his entry into Jerusalem for the final time to suffer, to pray in Gethsemane, to do all those things. Not long before that, where was he at? He was on the Mount of Transfiguration. He was on the Mount of Transfiguration. He was having church up there. He was being encouraged. He was being strengthened. He was being strengthened because he knew, the Father knew, what he was fixing to have to do. And in his flesh, he knew what was coming. But see, the thing is, that Mount of Transfiguration moment, he had to be obedient in that as well. He had to be obedient. Let's turn to Romans chapter 2, verses 5 through 10. Romans chapter 2, verses 5 through 10. says this, 
chapter five, but because of your hard and impotent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath, when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek. You see, obedience, here's the kicker about obedience. You are going to obey something. You will obey something. And it's black and white. It's, 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 there's no gray area. You are either going to obey and seek after the will of God, or you are going to obey and seek after the things of the flesh, which are Satan. And according to this verse right here, you will receive your just reward of who you are obedient after. You will receive your just reward. See, at the beginning of his in-depth teaching on the subject of salvation, Paul gives a basic truth about how God deals with the entire human race. God punishes the wicked. Who's the wicked? Those who are evil and selfish and who reject him, prideful people. And he rewards the righteous. The righteous are those who have been justified or made right with God through faith in, through faith in and forgiveness from his son, Jesus Christ. So we have the righteous and we have the wicked. So we are going to be obedient to someone. Are we going to be obedient to God and the righteousness or are we going to be obedient with wicked to Satan? We are going to be obedient to somebody. Now let's look over at Philippians real quick. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 13. Now I'm going to break out my old school King James version because that's how I memorized it as a kid. You're welcome. And if I try to read the ESV first, I'm going to mess it up. Because I don't know about you. <laughs> hey, man, King James only, bless God. But as I, was, as I was raised learning the King James Version, now when I go back reading, I find myself interjecting the King James Version like back and forth. I just, I'm just going to read it the one way I know it first, and then we'll go back and read it the other way, okay? Is that good? Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became what? Obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, 
things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, ESV says this. I want to start in verse 5. It says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Verse 6. Who thought he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped. But here's what's really cool. Verse 7, it says this, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of man. He emptied himself. I like it how it says that. He emptied himself. Well, what did he empty? That's a fair question, right? What did he empty himself of? The phrase in Greek, I'm going to mess this up, so just know that, is ekenosin, from kenosis, actually. Which literally means he emptied himself or made himself nothing. This does not mean that Jesus gave up his deity. Oh, that's cool. It doesn't mean that he, did, he gave up his deity. It means that he voluntarily, voluntarily, laid aside the privilege of his limitless existence as God, including his heavenly glory, his position, riches, rights, and the use of his attributes as God. This emptying himself also meant taking on human suffering, misunderstanding, mistreatment, hatred, and in the end, the curse of death on the cross. Man, I read that this morning. I was like, whoa. He emptied himself. He gave, <laughs> he still kept the deity, but he emptied himself. He gave up voluntarily what that deity afforded him, which was the power as far as it says here, the position, the riches, the rights, and the attributes. So he voluntarily gave that up to become human. <laughs> to become a human so he could suffer and die. That's what Jesus did for us. He emptied himself of every right that he had as a deity, as part of the triune God, so that he could suffer. Why? So that we could have a chance. I want to take it one step further. He emptied himself of all of that to become a human, to be tempted, to suffer, to be tried, to die, all of it, knowing that not everyone would accept him. And that he would be rejected yeah, true. by many. True. But there are a remnant that won't. Right. 
as Pastor Aaron says, come on, somebody. But there are a remnant that won't. So then when we get talking about what a remnant is, a remnant is the discarding, the discarded pieces of a fabric that some look at it as don't have any worth. <laughs> because they're just a small segment of the bigger piece. The remnant. Jesus was 100% man. And he, in his flesh, had to obey the instructions and the directive that he was given. So if Jesus learned obedience through repetitive, I trust you, Father, I'm going to do this, he learned obedience. So what that tells me in the Bible is this, that if he learned obedience, he had the opportunity to be disobedient. John, you can't say that. That's Jesus. But yes, I can. Because he was tempted in every way such as we. Right. Sir. Did y'all hear that? <laughs> Jesus wasn't a slave. Yes, he was. I'm not going to say that. Jesus had to be obedient, even to the death of the cross. If Jesus didn't understand and know the full aspect of what he would suffer that day on the cross, why would he be, why would he be in the Garden of Gethsemane praying, sweating drops of blood? There are some people out there who actually think, well, before I say that, let me say this. But in that moment of prayer, he knew he would still have to suffer. And feel everything that he felt. But because of his obedience, I believe God gave him the grace to get through the suffering to reach the end product. Does that mean that he didn't feel everything? No, he felt everything. But God gave him supernatural grace to take that next step. To take that next step. To take that next step. And see, you know what? Jesus, as we're talking about, was 100% percent flesh, 100% man, right? He faced anger. He was unjustly beaten. He was unjustly, had the beard plucked out of his face, unjustly crucified. But what did he do? Instead of getting mad, again, instead of calling down the legion of angels that he could have, he laid down willingly on the cross. And in the midst of laying down willingly on the cross, looked at the soldiers, and then looked up to, to, to his father in heaven and said, Father, please forgive them. They really don't know what they're doing. That's what he said. If we were to take that perspective on everything that we face today, my, how things would change. 
Everybody who's talking about you on social media, everybody who's down in your name, everybody who says we're a bunch of crazy freaks because we attend this church, everyone who says that we're full of demons, you know, you see all that mess and you see it and it gets the flesh stirred up in you. But instead of, you know, firing back and saying things like I would love to say, but I just don't. That's what they did to him. See, the Bible says that in these days you, you will have suffering. But instead of allowing the flesh to rise up and sinning, because here's the thing, even though, oh, this is hard to say, even though you don't type it out on Facebook or Instagram and say what you want to say, you're still mad and feel it. So guess what? That's still a sin. Pointing like a lot of fingers at myself. Every thought captive. That's what we're supposed to do. Sir? Please, sir. When Jesus did this and, and became a slave, what he is telling all of us, if we will do the same, God will do the same. When God doesn't do the same in our life, it's because we are not doing what Jesus did. That's so true. We have not become a slave of God. And so when we have these carnal thoughts and reflections, because we're not became a slave, we have not become a slave unto God. And then we're still trying to do it on our own instead of doing it with him. If, if God gave Jesus the power to go through everything he did, he would do the same for us. And we have to believe that and become a slave of God in order to receive that. Everybody hear that? And on the reverse side of that, what Elder Jeff is saying is we have no right to complain when things aren't going right. Because if they're not, then we must not be doing our part to experience the benefits. Does that make sense? But see, that's when, that's when our flesh, instead of please forgive them for they know not what they do, instead of doing that, we say, we say, oh. We say in anger, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We say that in anger, not in the way Jesus said it. Because, well, God, you just left me out here to deal with this all on my own. Did he? No. Remember what we've talked about a lot? Who's the constant? God is. He is the constant. He never changes. He never moves. So... Who are the ones that move? We are. And what's so hard for us to do is admit what? It's my fault. Yeah. <laughs> right? You know what? When we were kids and we see our kids our, and then grandkids, did you do that? No. <laughs> or my sister made me or my brother made me. Or it's everybody else's fault but the person who did it. Right? So, but in this situation, in life, we are the ones who move, not God. So let's try to stop blaming God and start saying, God, what have I done? Help me. Help me. Like we've talked about at communion, right? We've talked about before we take communion unworthy. Lord, search me. Try me. See if there's any way inside of me that's wrong. 
if we are facing something and we just can't seem to get the victory, let's ask God why. Instead of accusing him, let's ask him why. And we may find that there's obedience that we need to have in our life that we don't have. We must become, yes, sir? Did you hear what he just said? What he just said was, Paul said, I'm ambassador in chains. I have no other option. I have no other option. We have no other option. We have none. It's either God's way or the highway. See, too, oh, too much of the modern day church wants to say we get to have excuses to be able to do everything we want to do and live like the devil and it's okay because we still live in the age of grace. But that's not what Jesus did. You know what Jesus did? Jesus came out from among them and was separate. Not by ignoring the world, but by being in the world, just not a part of the world. Jesus is our ultimate example. And he suffered in every way that we have. So can I say it like this? We have no excuse. We have no excuse. The problem is today is everybody wants to have an excuse and make it okay to justify your sin. We have no excuse. And when we stand before a mighty, just God by ourselves, one or two things are going to happen. He's going to say, welcome or he's going to say, depart. And we have no excuse either way. Because why? As we just read in Hebrews, and I encourage you to go back and read Hebrews 5, 7 through 10. What is so important about that? We see that Jesus was man. Man. He was you and he was me in every way. Well, he was Jesus. Of course he was perfect. Okay, then go back to Philippians where he gave up. He gave up all the powers. And just read it intently, okay? I'm just, he gave it all up to become us, to suffer, to be tempted in every way such as us. So if I can encourage us this morning, okay? Let me say it like this. If I can encourage us this morning, let's be obedient and then let God move. Because you see, here's the thing. 
What is the one thing that we have talked about in this church consistently? Those of us who've been here for a long time, some of us who've been here from the beginning, what is the one thing we always pray for? We always seek after miracles, signs, and wonders, correct? We want a deeper move of God. We want God to do the impossible. But in order for God to be, in order for God to do the impossible here in our lives, we have to be obedient to what he says do. Some of these things only come by prayer and fasting. So what's that tell us? We need to pray and we need to fast on a consistent basis. If you were here last Sunday, Pastor Amanda encouraged us to fast three days a month, right? She did. You know what three times 12 is? 36. Those of you who've been in Sunday school for the past few weeks, I talked about how we should all fast at least 40 days a year because that is our offering, our first offering. And when she said that last week, I just started laughing. I was like, hey, sister pastor, come on with it. But she encouraging us to do that. Some of these things only come by prayer and fasting. You know what today is? Today is 24, 24. Two, four, two, four. That's what today is. What does that mean? Well, 24 means open hand, open door. We've heard that since January 1, right? Open hand, open door, but it also means prayer. It also means intercession. Twenty-four is perfect government made manifest. What's manifest? Manifest is clearly apparent to the sight or understanding. Obvious, apparent. We want God to move in here in a way that's manifest, that's obvious and apparent. Open hand, open door, intercessory, prayer. God wants to move, but it's up to us to be obedient in that. That's why I want to encourage you, be obedient. But, oh man, we're late. Real quick, and I promise you I'll be quiet. In order to be obedient, what do you have to do? You have to hear somebody giving you instruction to be obedient, right? <laughs> Are you hearing God's direction in your life? Well, I don't know which way to go. Have you asked? Have you sought? Has the answer come? Maybe it hasn't. But are you being consistent in asking and praying? Because what we've learned in the Bible is if God hasn't given the specific direction to turn right or left, what does he say do? Stand. Stand. You may not like where you're standing right now. You may not. But God says, stand. And in that standing may come trials, suffering, and all those things. But can, <laughs> can we be obedient in that? See, <laughs> we get in too big of a hurry because we live in a McDonald's lifestyle. We want it and go. We want it our way or no way. It's not our way or no way. It's God's way. And we got to stop wanting to put our spin on what God wants us to do. Because you know what the interesting thing is? Our ultimate example didn't. Jesus didn't put his spin on it. 
What did he say? I'm about my father's business. That's what he said. He was in tune with what the father wanted him to do. How did he do that? By obedience. And what did that obedience, what was his reward for the obedience? Suffering. But it served the purpose in the end. And millions will be saved because of his obedience. <laughs> we will be able to go to heaven because the man Jesus obeyed his father God. To which he sits at the right hand of the father making intercession for us every day. So who are we to complain when we go through trials and testing? Who are we to complain? Because even though we're going through trials and testing, I haven't seen anybody yet have a gun put to their head and say, deny him or die. Like we have our brothers and sisters across the world facing every day. Who are we to complain? I may not be at the job I want to be at, making the money I want to be at, doing what I want to do. But you know what? God hasn't said move, so guess what I got to do? In obedience, stand. Until. And if until never comes, then I will stand until his return. That's what we have to do. And we have to do it with the mindset of, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do as they persecute us. But Jesus, our ultimate example, was made perfect in his suffering. <laughs> I don't want to suffer. I don't either. I really don't. I don't. But Jesus was made perfect in his suffering. See, we like to, <laughs> we like to talk about the refiner's fire all the time. Right? We like to talk about, man, you put the gold in there and it brings all the impurities to the top and it gets skimmed off. We love to talk about all that because it's true. But we forget that while we talk about that, the fire is hot. There's suffering in that piece of gold to get those impurities out. Impurities out, sorry. We just need to be careful that in our point of suffering, we still give God the glory and listen to his word for obedience. Amen. Father, thank you for today. God, I pray, Lord, that you will give us grace, understanding. God, allow us to turn our ears to you and be obedient, Father, to what you would have us do. Lord, allow us to be your slaves. Lord, allow us allow us to follow your direction, God. Father, I pray that you will give us the grace, Lord, in times of suffering and need, not to get mad, but to turn our focus more towards you and say, God, what, 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 are, you, what are you trying to teach me here? Father, allow me to be obedient here. What, 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 what am I doing? Father, I want your perfect government made manifest here. Lord, we are in a year that we already know there's going to be turmoil in this country, politically, in every way, shape, and form. 
Father, there's wars trying to spark off all over this world. There's earthquakes. Father, I ask for grace and understanding in this day. Father, more than anything, we need you. Father, I ask forgiveness of sin for my own disobedience, God. I ask, God, Lord, that you will forgive me for when I've lashed out at those who are hurting me instead of saying forgive them for they know not what they do. Father, I publicly ask that you will forgive me for my anger, my frustration with those who've hurt me and my family. And I ask, Lord, that you'll forgive them because, Lord, they really don't know what they're doing. Lord, I pray, God, that you will help us all to lean into you and allow you to love us, give us comfort. Father, while we're waiting on you to, to move in our lives, God, please don't let us grow weary in well-doing. Father, I ask more than anything, God, that you will give us discernment and ears to hear what you want us to do. And God, in the suffering that we may face, I ask God that you will make us perfect in that. Father, I pray for our brothers and sisters across the world who are suffering immense turmoil. The persecution of, our, of the church worldwide is growing and it's only going to get worse. God, our brothers and sisters, God, I pray for their protection, for their peace. And I pray, Lord, that your word will continue to spread your word, not man's word. And I ask, God, Lord, that we will tarry in this fight together. Allow us, God, not to be distracted. Father, I want to be obedient in everything that you would have me do, whether I like it or whether I don't. Give me the grace and wisdom to walk through it. God, this service today is Family Sunday. When everybody will be together, Lord, I pray that it will be in one mind and one accord. I pray, Lord, for conviction today. Lord, allow us to feel and experience conviction again. Allow us to not be prideful unto death, but allow us to humble ourselves. God, when you, when you, when you bring a correcting word, God, allow us to humble ourselves, God, and ask and seek forgiveness. I pray for the young people, our youth, the babies that'll be in here, God. I pray, Lord, that they, Lord, will hear your word. And God, you'll change their lives, God. Set a fire of revival in them at an early age. Those of us, God, adults, allow us to set the example. Allow us to set the example, God.
and worship you and praise. Father, I love you. I thank you. And Lord, I pray that your presence will continue to flow in this place today. God, allow this to be a house of prayer. Allow this, God, to be a place where people come from all over the world because it's a place that honors you in everything we do, where lives will be changed, healings will take place. God, where souls will be saved. Lord, where we'll be able, by the leading of your Holy Spirit, be able to train those and send out to make a difference in this world. God, I pray for our pastors. God, I pray a hedge protection around them. I pray for strength, for discernment, for wisdom. God, I pray, Lord, that you will strengthen them. Father, the battles and the devils they face every day on our behalf, they beat off on our behalf, God. Allow us to lift them up in prayer every day, God. And, and, and help fight the battle alongside them. Bless our pastors, God, in a way only you can. Thank you for your spirit, God. And listen, I encourage everybody this morning, allow this to keep going. Allow God to keep moving in you, in me. I know there's going to be those coming in and it might get loud. But let's not lose our focus on what the real thing is. Let's keep our focus on God. This is family Sunday and something big is going to happen. If we'll allow it. Let me encourage you in that. Amen. Amen.